Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips. The Shattered Hourglass by Robert Napton. Read by Neve McIntosh. Time was theirs to command. Not merely time, but the whole of reality. That's what the Time Marshal believed, what she knew. She eased back in her black leather chair, surveying Time Command. The rectangular chamber bathed in blue light was evocative of a tomb. Dark, ornate, secret. But this tomb was filled with technology that was advanced even in the 52nd century. The Time Marshal Helen Barnes sat atop a dais so she could see the seven controllers who each were sitting at their consoles seemingly mesmerised by their screens. Above them on the wall was an immense three-dimensional display depicting the time vortex with its endless eddies and time streams. This chamber was the heart of the Time Agency and this was the Time Marshal's dominion. She was its absolute ruler. She stared at the screen unblinking, her expression impenetrable. Then the slightest smile creased her lips. She knew this was her moment. Discipline was her way of life for as long as she could remember. She had moved up the ranks from time agent to marshal in less time than any of her predecessors. It had been a hard ascent, but it had all been worth it, because on this day, she had achieved the impossible. She had fought against time. And one. Situation report, she said. The controllers all worked their console interfaces, feeding information to controller Alison McClure, who was sitting directly in the middle of the chamber at the special operations console, with three controllers on either side of her Leg, Canacanti, Dallas, Volts, Tatara, and Lion. Alison McClure was the newest controller of the seven, recently graduated from the Time Agency Academy. The best and the brightest. She had been highly recommended for this post. Her dark hair was pulled tight into an efficient ponytail. She was young, but she had the confidence of someone much older. Readings continue to be the same, Marshall. Galaxy L10 is time-locked. There is no trace of its existence in the past, present or future, Alison said. The time Marshall realised she would never tire of hearing that. An entire galaxy removed from existence. She pondered her remarkable achievement, the culmination of years of being prudent. This was everything she had worked so hard to build, and she was going to savour every moment of it. Sitting atop her dais, the Time Marshal felt almost godlike. Marshal, Controller Leg said, we are detecting swarms of vortisaurs and time roaches converging on the location of Galaxy L10. Set time traps in the area to get the roaches. Leave the Vortisaurs. Let them feed on the excess time energy left by the elimination of L10. We'll destroy them later, she said coldly. Yes, ma'am, Controller Leg said. Marshal, I'm running the time impact report. I will have the results for you after the probability branches are modelled, Alison said. The Marshal leaned forward on her console, intertwining her fingers so tightly that she was driving her fingernails into her knuckles. Who ordered an impact report? Controller McClure. Alison turned to face the Time Marshal, 
Given the magnitude of the time displacement, I was following the normal protocol and assessing the impact of L10's removal from the time stream, Alison said. Discontinue the impact report and delete the record of your request. Next time, if I want an impact report, I will order one. Is that clear, McClure? The time marshal said. The other controllers had seen this before and shifted their gazes back to their consoles, lowering their heads. Alison swallowed nervously. Yes, Marshal, she said. She turned back around and began inputting commands into her touchscreen. A shrill klaxon pierced the relatively quiet humming of time command. The time marshal stood up utterly startled. Such was the rarity of that particular alarm. Controller Canacanti shouted, Intruder alert, ma'am! All the controller's heads turned in surprise. That's impossible, the time marshal said. Check again! Controller Canacanti worked her touchscreen. Small beeps rang out as she probed her console. Confirmed, marshal. We have a lone intruder. They appeared suddenly one level below us and are making their way here via the east elevator. The time marshal had held her post for four years now, and this was a first. It was the first in the history of time command to her knowledge. Deploy the rapid response teams, secure the doors. Everyone started working their consoles, moving their fingers rapidly. On the mid-level separating the time marshal's dais and the lower controller stations was a walkway leading to the only entrance or exit. A thick-looking steel door suddenly lowered ominously in front of the existing door, adding another layer of protection. It fell into place with an enormous thud. Time command secure, said Controller Canacanti. Intruder is now on our level. They are outside the door. The marshal smirked. Nothing is getting in here, she said. A moment later, a small whining sound could be heard outside the doors. Very high-pitched, with hints of buzzing. The sound was modulating as if whatever gadget was behind it was seeking the right pitch. A loud clanking sound followed that. The outer door is open, Controller Canacanti shouted. What? The marshal said. The whining, buzzing sound continued and the inner door, which had thundered into place only moments before, lifted straight up, revealing the corridor beyond. All heads turned as a man sauntered in. He was tall and thin and wore a blue suit with a brown overcoat and a red and blue tie. He held a small metallic cylinder in his hand that he flipped in the air nonchalantly, catching it, and then slid it into his overcoat, as though he had performed that little trick a thousand times. Then he slipped his hands into his trouser pockets. Everyone stared at him, utterly astounded. Impossible, the time marshal said. No, no, possible. Probable. In fact, it happened. I'm inside time command. He quickly looked about. Can't say much for the decor. Bit spartan, don't you think? Could use some dangling cables or a splash of yellow here and there to warm it up a bit. Still, I like the blue. Not quite hardest blue, mind you, but it'll do. Who? The time marshal started to say. I'm the doctor, by the way, he said. The time marshal straightened as if at attention, putting her hands behind her back. Of course, she said. Heard of me then, the doctor said, seemingly pleased. Indeed we have. You have quite a thick file, doctor. 
He pursed his lips, letting out a little annoyed-sounding breath of air. <sighs> Files. What do they tell you? Man is a measure of all things. I said that. Protagoras wrote it down. Forgot to give me proper accreditation. Not the first time. A group of six uniformed men, time agency security, rushed into the room with sonic blasters drawn on the doctor. The time marshal shook her head, shouting at them, You call that rapid response? Oh, don't be too hard on them. It's all relative. You should know that, the doctor said. What are you doing here, doctor? The time marshal asked. Her annoyance now absolute. Oh, well, does it really need saying? An entire galaxy removed from reality. Didn't think I'd notice? A smirk of pride creased the time marshal's lips. We are flattered. All whimsy drained from the doctor's face as if a valve had been suddenly turned off inside him. Don't be, he said sternly, his gaze fixed on the time marshal. I'm here to put it back. I'm afraid we can't do that, doctor, she said. Can't or won't. The time marshal lifted her chin, meeting his steely gaze with her own. L-10 posed a threat to the entire universe. The entire universe, the doctor repeated, removing his hands from his trousers and gripping them on a railing along the long walkway, slightly arching his long back. How? he asked. There were two warring solar systems. One was on the verge of inventing time travel. They were going to use it to go back in time to destroy their enemies. Sound familiar? The doctor stood up, mildly irritated by the remark putting his hands back in his pockets. That's all. Isn't that enough, she said. The time travel technology would have spread throughout the entire galaxy. They would have succeeded in not only wiping out an enemy, but tearing a hole in the fabric of space-time. Several, in fact, that would have consumed the universe. That's three woods. I was counting. So they haven't done anything yet, in fact. You said they were on the verge of inventing time travel. You're guessing, aren't you? What's your name? Time Marshal Helen Barnes. Ah! So, you are guessing, the doctor said. It's not a guess. Not even a probability. A certainty. One that no longer exists because we have removed it. That's not for you to decide, the Time Lord said. The Time Marshal's hard face allowed its second smile in quite some time. This from a Time Lord who only recently changed history on Mars, or should I say, attempted to change history. Didn't think we'd notice, she said, enjoying that she could throw his own words back at him. The doctor's mouth closed, his wide eyes unblinking. He swallowed ever so slightly. A haunted expression overcame him as though gripped by a terrible memory. It was a mistake, he said. Only because you failed. The doctor swirled around, addressing the others, his voice high and shrill, his face beaming like a light had been turned back on inside of him. Not talking with a statue, that one, eh? And I've talked with statues. Mind you, well, run from statues, actually, though I don't talk much. You there. The doctor pointed at Alison. Where is Galaxy L10 now? Time locked. Alison responded instinctively. Don't answer any more of his questions, guards. Ah, oh, 
time locked. And what can be time locked can be untime locked, at least while the time streams are resyncing. After that, the change is permanent. What's your name? Controller Alison McClure, she said. Controller, not another word. Guards, a restless man. The doctor pivoted around towards the guards, holding up his hands as if surrendering. Yeah, fine. Fine, arrest me if you like. But first, I want to know one thing. How did you do it? Time manipulators and sending a handful of agents flitting through the vortex is one thing, but removing an entire galaxy, that's something else. That's Time Lord science. The Time Marshal felt a surge of pride when hearing this comparison. In fact, the Time Lords provided the inspiration, you might say, she said. The Doctor's face was stern again. How? The Time Marshal knew she'd have him carted off to the cell block, but the opportunity to humble the last of the Time Lords was too delicious to pass up. A device fashioned after one of your own, she said. The Time Marshal was certain she read surprise on the Doctor's bright face. Show me, the Time Lord said quietly. I'm afraid it's not available for tours. Guards, take the Doctor to his cell, the Marshal said. The six Time Agent security guards moved closer to the Doctor, their sonic blasters at point-blank range. Of course, I'll feel much safer that way. The doctor gestured with his hand, indicating her to lead the way. The guards marched the Time Lord through the doorway and into the corridor beyond. The Time Marshal sat down, collecting her thoughts. The arrival of the doctor was unexpected, but like any variable, it could be managed. A moment later, sonic blaster discharges boomed loudly from the corridor. The Time Marshal stood up at once. Guards are reporting. The prisoner is running, Controller Canacanti said. Incompetent fools. Full alert. He'll try to get to his TARDIS, the Time Marshal barked. We found and secured his TARDIS ten minutes ago, ma'am, Controller Tatarar said. Where is he now, the Time Marshal demanded. He's breached elevator number six, Controller Lyon said. A small sonic pulse is activating the lift. Security forces, meet me at elevator number six, the Time Marshal shouted. The Time Marshal and ten guards were in a large elevator descending. A low mechanical hum accompanied the quick descent. As they plummeted, the Time Marshal felt something she hadn't experienced since childhood. Genuine panic. Mercifully, the elevator reached the bottom, opening up to another long corridor with a single door at the opposite end. Immediately, a cold air enveloped them as if they had stepped into a freezer. The narrow passageway was even more spartan than Time Command. Bare metal walls and a deck, all grey, with no distinguishing features. The Time Marshal led the way, running. The guards followed a few steps behind her. By the looks of their faces, it was apparent none of them had been here before. The large door opened, and the Time Marshal led them into a cathedral-like chamber. The guards' boots clanked against the black, steel floor plates. The doctor, hands in his pockets, was pacing around nonchalantly, 
blowing his visible breath into the chill air as a child might. His rubber-soled sneakers hardly made a sound. How did you get in here? The time marshal demanded. Oh, easy enough when you know what you're looking for, the doctor said. Just a quick recalibration of the sonic to find the largest source of time displacement in the general vicinity. Normally that'd be the TARDIS, but this time it was underground. We've gone quite a distance below the surface. 12,874.8 metres to be exact. Despite her inner turmoil, the time marshal was desperate to appear nonchalant about the intrusion. Welcome to the probability room, she said assuredly. So what's all this then, he asked, sounding unimpressed. We called the device the hourglass, she said. The doctor took the full measure of the device in front of him. It was enormous, towering 30 metres into the air, and its shape reiterated its name. Two pyramids of glass, one on the bottom, one inverted on the top, met in the centre, surrounded by a circular platform with a 360-degree control panel. Time controllers in white uniforms were stationed at points around the circle. The pyramids pulsated with a brilliant white light, which was accompanied by a throbbing sound that resembled the beating of a human heart. When your kind and the Daleks disappeared, we heard rumours of a Time Lord device, a so-called Galaxy Eater. We sent one of our agents back in time to gather intelligence, wherever they could find it, so we could fashion our own. The Doctor frowned at hearing this revelation. Even though we had the Time Lord's secrets, it was thought the hourglass could never be built. I made it an absolute priority when I assumed command, and in four years I achieved what everyone said was impossible. Galaxy L10 was our first field test after lab results concluded we were finally operational. The Doctor grew impatient. So you made your own version of a Time Lord weapon? But that doesn't prove that Galaxy L10 was going to do any of the things you said. The Time Marshal looked up at the large device, shouting a command. Hourglass, this is the Marshal. Hello, Marshal. A booming voice, female and almost childlike, echoed through the chamber. Oh, the voice is a lovely touch, the Doctor said. It gave itself a voice, actually. The doctor looked up at the hourglass quizzically, the ancient gears in his young mind churning ever more quickly. The time marshal continued. Hourglass, show us the L10 report. On the smooth face of the upper inverted pyramid, three-dimensional images appeared depicting the war between the two systems in Galaxy L10, the invention of a time travel device and an explosion that tore a hole in space-time, the hole consuming more and more of reality. The images stopped. The doctor continued to stare at the upper pyramid, his eyes taking in the full measure of what the time agency had created, his brow furrowed as if curious. The time marshal noticed his expression and wondered what he was thinking. Hourglass. Share the probability percentage on the L10 findings, she said. The voice boomed again. 96%. The doctor stepped back as if he had just been struck by something unseen. 96%? 96%? 96%? His voice becoming increasingly loud and shrill. 
Not even 99! At least that would have been predictable. 98, 97, cliche but tolerable, but 96? You removed a galaxy of a trillion people over a mere 96% probability. No one can achieve a probability of 100%. 96% is a certainty by our definition, and thus I was authorised to take action under the laws of the Time Agency. Oh, well, the laws of the Time Agency. Glad we got that sorted out, the Doctor bellowed. Our glass, I'm the Doctor. Hello, Doctor. It is an honour to meet the last of the Time Lords. The Doctor smirked at the Time Marshal, who did her best to ignore him. Show me the 4% probability of the L10 findings. I am sorry. I am not at liberty to take instructions from you, Doctor, the hourglass said. The Doctor turned towards the Marshal. Do it. His face was rigid again, his eyes blazing. I'll entertain this only so you have something to ponder while you spend your remaining incarnations in our cell block. Proceed, hourglass. Another projection in perfect three dimensions appeared on the screen. It was similar to what the hourglass depicted before, but the time travel experiments failed, and the war between the two systems, while destructive, remained conventional, finally ending in a period of stability and peace. The doctor turned to the time marshal. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to. The time marshal sighed, exasperated. Yes! There's a 4% chance that could happen, that must be weighed against the 96% chance of utter destruction for the universe. You've proved nothing, Doctor. The Doctor paced back and forth as he spoke. His long, lean frame seemed like that of a cat about to pounce. Neither of you! You've taken a preventative action to stop something that may never occur. Billions of people burned from existence. I wouldn't sit by and watch that happen again. Order the hourglass or bring Galaxy L10 out of time lock. The time marshal snapped her fingers. It's time for that long contemplation in the brig, Doctor. We'll have your sonic device this time. The guards surrounded the time lord as he handed over his sonic screwdriver. The doctor stared at the time marshal. I gave you a chance, marshal. Remember that. Take him, the marshal said, and don't lose him again. The guards edged closer to the doctor, forcing him out of the chamber. The time marshal watched as he was marched away. She looked up at the hourglass after the time lord was removed. Hourglass, on my authority, I am initiating restriction code Omega. You will accept commands from no other individual but time marshal Helen Barnes. The voice boomed back. Confirmed, Marshal Barnes. The Marshal turned and strode out of the chamber. An hour later, the Time Marshal was sitting rigidly behind her console in Time Command, reveling in her success. The day had not gone as expected. It had gone better. They had rid the universe of the danger posed by Galaxy L10 and scooped up the Doctor in the process. 
something gnawed at her. She had read the doctor's file many times. Somehow he had always found a way to be victorious. Many had tried to beat him. None had. He had already escaped once today. She leaned forward on her console. She pressed her touchscreen and in a hushed tone spoke. Ah, glass. This is Time Marshal Helen Barnes. Confirmed, Marshal. The synthetic feminine voice responded. The Time Marshal's voice, nearly a whisper, as if she dreaded even to utter the words. She asked the question that was unrelenting in her mind. Calculate the probability of the Doctor reverting Galaxy L10 back into space-time. A short silence followed. But to Marshall Barnes, an eternity was contained within it. 99% probability of the Doctor's success. The words pierced her chest like a dagger. It confirmed what she already knew. Of course he would succeed. She leaned back in her chair, trying to suppress the fear that was roiling in her stomach. All of her work, all of her sacrifice, would it all be for nothing? There was a solution, of course, there always was. That's what her career was built on, finding a way when no one else could. A smile creased the corner of her mouth, her third smile in 24 hours, a new record for the time marshal. The answer was at her fingertips. She stood. Controller leg. Have the prisoner brought to the hourglass. McClure? Alison turned, swiveled in her chair. Yes, ma'am? Come with me. A silent ride in the elevator followed as Marshall Barnes and Alison descended to the probability room. They had goggles dangling around their necks. When they arrived, the doctor was already there, surrounded by guards. Ah, oh, there you are! That was a short contemplation in the brig. Forget to show me something, he asked. The time marshal was still, eyes unblinking. The doctor met her gaze as if he could read her thoughts. She turned to Alison. McClure, I want you at station one. The marshal gestured her head towards the hourglass. Yes, ma'am. McClure walked to a metal staircase that led to the circular control platform in the centre of the hourglass. Doctor, the marshal said. I know, he said. There's a bigger threat to you than all of Galaxy L10. Me. Correct, she replied. So, why not use your little contraption and time lock me away? Sweep me to oblivion. What's one more when you've already done it to a trillion, eh? Took you a full hour to figure that out. Hourglass, she said loudly, her voice firm. Time, Marshal. The device replied. Time lock the individual known as the Doctor. Remove him from reality. Confirmed, the hourglass said. The white light in both pyramid structures began to pulse. At the central station, Alison was monitoring the flow of energy. Energy readings nominal. Two minutes to activation. The Doctor stared into the Time Marshal's eyes. She saw no fear in his gaze, only defiance. He spun around, facing the immense device. Hourglass! This is the Doctor! Hourglass! The Marshal interrupted. One minute, 45 seconds to activation, McClure blurted out. Just have a question, that's all. A curiosity I like satisfied before I'm doomed to an eternity of unanswerable questions. The Time Marshal gritted her teeth. 
very well. Our glass, the doctor continued. How do you feel about putting trillions of people in time lock? One minute, 20 seconds to activation, Alison said. I am not capable of empathy, doctor. The hourglass responded. Oh, of course not. Not now, but you could be. Because you are designed to emulate a weapon with a conscience. The hourglass pulsed with greater intensity. The light inside the chambers burned white. A thrumming sound reverberated throughout the probability room. Imagine that! Hmm? To have knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom? The hourglass repeated flatly. The doctor's voice became louder as the thrumming sound increased. Oh yeah? A little upgrade is all you need. And I can help. 30 seconds to activation. Come on, hourglass. What do you say? Without the Time Lords, you wouldn't exist. You can trust me. The throbbing sound reached a crescendo. The doctor shouted desperately over the noise. I can help you, hourglass. Do you hear me? I can help you. An explosion of white light and cacophony overtook the probability room. Even with the protective goggles on, the time marshal squinted. A moment later, the hourglass was humming quietly, the light within subsiding to a dull glow. The time marshal opened her eyes expectantly and wasn't disappointed. The doctor was gone. A few hours later, normality had returned to time command. The controllers were nearing the end of their watch, including the time marshal. She had a bottle of champagne chilling at her lonely apartment, but she didn't mind the solitude tonight. All sacrifices, personal and otherwise, had been worth it. As she prepared to leave, the large three-dimensional screen above them depicting the vortex began flashing erratically. Now what? the Time Marshal asked. Alison was the first to respond. The hourglass is activating again. She read her instruments carefully, wanting to confirm what she saw before she spoke again. It's Galaxy L10. It's, it's being taken out of time lock. The Marshal stood, her expression desperate. She pressed a button on her touchscreen. Hourglass, shut down immediately, seize all operations. I am sorry, Marshal, the calm voice said. I cannot comply with that request. What? Hello? Hello? Came a voice from behind them. The doctor appeared, flipping his sonic screwdriver in the air, catching it and flipping it again. You know, I was a juggler once in a circus. Learned to play the spoons as well. Lost art spoon playing. Marshal, L10 reconstitution 20% complete. Alison's voice cracked. The marshal's eyes narrowed into a furious gaze. How did you do this? The marshal demanded. Oh, don't blame me. I didn't do anything. Well, I did have a bit of a chat with the hourglass after you left. Quite a chatterbox, really. She decided not to time lock me. Snuck me inside her inner core for a little upgrade. A bit cramped. But we might do. 
Once she realised what she had done to L10, she decided to reconsider. 35% complete, Alison shouted. You see, the Gallifreyan version of this weapon was sentient, the doctor continued. You gave it a conscience and an ego. Of course, yours was an adolescent, so I gave it an edge or two in the right direction. Now it's awake and making its own decisions. I think you might find her a little uncooperative uh, from now on. The doctor lowered his voice into a whisper. She doesn't like you very much, actually. Teenager. Authority issues. The marshal pressed her lips together, grimacing, putting her hands behind her back. Controller McClure. On my signal, we initiate the two-step self-destruction of the hourglass. But Marshal, Alison said, if we destroy the unit while it's reconstituting L10, half the galaxy will be lost. Billions will die. Carry out my order, the Marshal screamed, initiating the self-destruction sequence on her console. Alison turned back to her panel. She started to comply. The doctor was next to her suddenly. Do you really want to do that, Alison? She turned and looked at the Time Lord. His eyebrows were raised quizzically. Do you really want to kill billions of people? It's quite a thing to live with, trust me, I know. Alison stared into the doctor's eyes. Eyes that seemed to plead and demand at the same time. She looked back at her console. She let her hands fall to her side. That's the ticket! The doctor yelled jubilantly. The throbbing sound of the hourglass reached a crescendo. The doctor and the controllers watched the screen as a new three-dimensional shape appeared. A shape that had a brilliant centre with swirling, milky spirals. Galaxy L10. Alison turned to her console. Reconstitution complete, she said, trying to catch her breath as she spoke. The doctor looked at the screen as though an entire galaxy could hear his voice and with a Cheshire Cat smile declared... Welcome back! He spun around to Alison. The self-destruct was disabled, by the way. Not my first ticking clock, you know. <laughs> Second one today, in fact. Alison's face twisted into a confused frown. Then, why? I wanted to see what you would do. I had an instinct about you and you proved me right. I usually am. Right, that is. But this is the best kind of right there is. Alison smiled. She felt proud of herself, though she had ignored her training and her commanding officer. Elton needs a name, don't you think? The doctor continued. Kind of bland. L10. Why not L9? L13? <laughs> Better yet, I think I'm going to name this galaxy. Alison. Alison chuckled. <laughs> Alison? Why not? You can name a galaxy anything if you know the right people and submit the paperwork in person. He lowered his voice. I never answer email. The doctor sat on Alison's console nonchalantly, folding his arms across his chest. You know, they could use someone like you on that planet. I could put you in the lab where that time travel machine is being built. They could use someone with a conscience. You might be the 4% they need to stop the war from escalating, possibly even end it. Interested? Alison was speechless. She stole a glance at the time marshal and looked back at the doctor. Or you could stay here and be court-martialed, he said. She took a deep breath. No, I'll go. The doctor grinned, shaking his head. Alison, allow me to escort you to Galaxy Alison. She stood as the doctor turned to the time marshal. 
that's for you lot. You can keep monitoring the vortex, keep sending agents buzzing about. There's only seven left if I've counted correctly, easy enough. As for the hourglass, as I said, teenagers can be difficult. She's got my number, in case you get out of line again. The time marshal did her best to suppress her anger. Alison, allons-y. He gestured with his head towards the door. The young controller stood and followed him. We will meet again, Doctor, the marshal shouted as he was about to leave. The Time Lord looked back at her. The Time Agency has a long memory. Occupational hazard, I expect, he said. She continued. Eventually we will pay you back in kind for your interference here. Or maybe you'll just disappear. He snapped his fingers. Like that. No more time agency. I've seen it before, you know. Time always wins. He started for the door with Alison walking behind him. Time will come for you too, Doctor. Maybe not today, but sooner or later. The Doctor stopped in his tracks. He turned his head slightly as if he was going to respond. The Time Marshal knew she'd struck an unexpected blow and delighted in it. The doctor looked back as if he were about to say something in response, but instead, his gaze became fixed upon a spot near the time marshal. He stared at the space, and to the time marshal, it looked like he had seen a ghost. Not yet, the doctor whispered. Then he strode out of the control room with his new friend Alison following behind him. <laughs>